Pastor Andy and Jean are in Morgantown, West Virginia this weekend. Uh, for those of you that read the e-connection that we sound out every Thursday, uh, you know that uh, he was asked to speak at the uh, 50th anniversary of the Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew group that meets on campus at West Virginia University, which he was the uh, campus faculty leader for 31 years. And so uh, there's a wonderful picture that we have of the students that are currently there now as a part of the crew uh, in 2023. And uh, last night, Andy had the uh, privilege of giving the keynote address. Uh, there in Morgantown to not only to those students who uh, we saw in the picture, but I'm sure many others as well that came back for the uh, presentation and the celebration last evening. And this morning he's participating in the worship service, not preaching, but just praying, I believe, in the worship service at Morgantown Alliance Church. So we're glad that our ministry extends beyond the, uh, the gates of Shell Point Retirement Community and Fort Myers uh, this Sunday, even to West Virginia. And so uh, the last few times that I spoke on Sunday morning, uh, we began a series in the book of Daniel. And uh, I think it was actually in November of 2022 uh, that I began in chapter one, and then I think uh, near the end of December, early January, chapter two, and, and uh, we covered chapter three last time. And so uh, today we're going to cover Daniel chapter four. Now, I'm sure you've read the book of Daniel. All of you are Bible scholars, I'm sure, spending a uh, multitude amount of time in the Word of God, knowing the, the revelation of God is more valuable than silver or gold. And my tongue is in my own cheek as well as yours when I say that. But Daniel chapter 4 begins in a different way than most other chapters of the Bible because it begins first person. I Nebuchadnezzar. And so it's a, it's a first-person account of a life-changing event that happened in the, uh, to the king of Babylon. And so to give it justice, I hope, in presenting Daniel chapter 4, okay, sit in your seats, I've invited Nebuchadnezzar to come and give us his story. Okay, so let me see if he's in the back right here. And, and uh, I am King Nebuchadnezzar. I greet all the peoples, nations, men of every language who live in all the world, and especially my friends at the village church. May you prosper greatly. It's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God performed for me 
and he'll perform them for you as well. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I know you expected to hear Pastor Don this morning, and some of you are disappointed already. But he told me, you were the most amazing group of believers that have ever gathered in a church. He said, you're so understanding that, that you'll look forward even to hearing my story so that maybe the Lord would speak to your heart just as much out of me as he may have through Pastor Don. I want to go back with you some 2,500 years we thought we were well off back then. You wouldn't believe the number of chariots that I had and the horses to go with those chariots. We thought we had everything that we needed. But Pastor Don took me on a little tour of the place that you call home right here in your community right uh, around this area outside of the gates. And you guys have quite a place that you call home to see all of the things that have changed through the years, a beautiful area like this, the trees, the rivers, uh, the river, the flowers, the plants you have, and the wonderful places in which you live. And then there are the advances in, in science and medicine and food and, and transportation. You know, we thought those chariots were nice, what we had, and if they weren't nice enough, I had them make more for us. But you guys have cars. You get in and, and, and he told me you used to turn a key. In fact, way back when, you used to put your foot on the floor and it would start up for you. But then you went to this key thing and now it's a button. But then how often do you forget your keys back in, the, in your residence and then you, when you go to push the button, the car won't even start. But they have air conditioning. And you can go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go, and it, you don't even have to worry about the rain. It's amazing. And then, as we were driving around, I said, what, what's that up in the air? Wow, this flying thing, this, that's got to be huge. It's got to be heavy. And that's how you get around as well. Is there any comfort that you don't have? Seriously, you guys have re really have it made. But I want, you, I want to tell you this morning about my experience with the God of heaven and earth. I like to call him the God most high because it reminds me that God alone rules everything in heaven and on earth. I believe that my experience with the God most high is very similar to your own experience with him today. That's right, the lessons that the God Most High taught me are lessons that, that he would love you to learn as well. And so that's why I wanna share my story with you. If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to turn to them, you can turn to Daniel chapter four because Daniel decided through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to just include my words as a part of your scripture. And so while you're turning there in your Bibles, remember uh, 
that my army conquered Jerusalem. We put a siege on that city and, and they eventually surrendered to us. And when I went in, I took some articles out of their temple knowing that, that this issue was as much a spiritual issue as it was a physical issue in taking over the hearts of the people and that land. So I took items out of their temple and then I took some of their best and their brightest. And four of them, and you probably know where I'm going with this, four of them were head and shoulders above all the others including my own wise men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right from the start, these guys were amazing, but they kept saying it wasn't about them. They weren't smarter than anybody else. They weren't uh, in, in stronger than anyone else. They didn't have any more courage. They weren't particularly more wise than anybody else. They kept giving all the glory to their God. They said, it's the God we serve that enables us to do this. We're, our character, it's not, it's not anything other than giving our God giving us the opportunity to serve those around us. They kept on giving credit to their God. But you know, it wasn't a big deal. In Babylon, if you see a God that looks good to you, you just add him. Add them to your plethora of gods that you have. And so when Daniel and his friends began talking about this other God, it wasn't a big deal. But then this God made himself visible to us. I mean, not visible, visible, but he, through Daniel and his friends, did some amazing things. If you look back in chapter 2, you'll see that Daniel was given wisdom by God to not only know what I dreamed, which is, I mean, who else would know that if God hadn't given him the ability to know what I dreamed, but then what the dream meant. God gave Daniel that wisdom. And then in chapter 3, I had gathered all of my officials, all the people who were willing to come out to this plane to see this 90-foot statue of my God. And everyone there knew the drill. When you heard the music sound, you got down and knelt on your knees, knowing that that was affirming my leadership, my sovereign control over the entire land. And so the music started, and everybody got down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I had never seen it. They knew what they should have been doing. Everybody did it. The whole crowd did it, and they stood straight up, sticking out like a sore thumb. And I knew I had to do something, and so I called them to me, and I said, guys... Uh, in case you missed what I said before, I'm going to give you another opportunity. When you hear the music, you bow down like everyone else. And they refused and said, it doesn't make any difference, King. Whether the music is playing or not playing, we're not going to bow down to your statue because we serve the living God. 
And our God doesn't want us to bow before anyone except him. And so I got mad, you know. I had a lot of people out there watching how I was going to respond to these three individuals. And so I said, if you don't go down, I'm going to throw you into that furnace over there. And I was just absolutely sure that they would burn up like a torch. But you know the story. That's not what happened. The three of them were thrown in. And then we looked and it seemed like four people were inside the fiery furnace. And one of them looked like a divine being as if it was, if it was their God or, or an angel sent by their God. And amazingly, they weren't hurt by the flames. And so I called them out and, and they came out and, and, and they were untouched by the fiery furnace. Now that's something that none of my gods could ever do. This is one powerful God that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego serve. So fast forward 20 years after that. 20 years have passed after these events. I had a dream. Yeah, I know I'm sort of a dreamy person. I had a dream in chapter 2, and you know about that, what happened there. And now, So I have a dream. You have dreams, don't you? You know, if you didn't have something good to eat the night before, you have dreams, don't you? Yes, and so I had a dream. And this was my dream. I dreamed that there was a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree was as tall as the sky, and its branches reached to the end of the earth. What a tree. I'd never seen any tree like this before. Not only was it big, but it was beautiful as well. The leaves and fruit provided food for every animal and bird in existence. It was magnificent, but then... Someone that looked like an angel jumped into the dream. And as if he was coming, it was as if he was coming down from heaven. He shouted, cut the tree down. Trim off all the branches. Remove, 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 remove all the leaves and scatter all the fruit. Tell all the animals and birds to flee and find new places to live. And let the stump and roots stay in the ground with iron and bronze fence around it, surrounded by the grass of the field. He continued, let the stump stay there among the animals and plants for seven years and let the mind of the stump be changed from that of a man to that of a beast. Wow. This beautiful tree and the dream took on a whole new meaning. And if I was somehow in that dream, I might be in trouble. But the angel, the messenger that was in that dream, told me the reason why. And in chapter 4, verse 17, I'm going to put the word, I've asked the guys to put the words up on the screen. It says, the decision is announced 
By messengers, the Holy One declares the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over, uh, sets them over, sets over them the lowliest of people. The Most High God wanted to demonstrate that I wasn't the person large and in charge. It was him as this dream was unfolded. And so I didn't know exactly what the dream meant, even though he, they'd given me the reason for the dream, but I was terrified. It didn't sound good, and I could be in real trouble. So you know what I did. I went and called Daniel. No. Why would I want to get the right answer right away? Daniel always brings the right answer. I called my wise guys. You know, I told them this time, you don't even need to tell me what I dreamed. I'm going to tell you what I dreamed. All I need for you guys to do is tell me what it means. And they couldn't. They seriously couldn't. I wasn't sure, you know, half of me thought when I saw the way they were acting, maybe they did know what the interpretation of this dream was, but they were unwilling to tell me. They didn't want to be maybe the bearer of bad news. And so I ended up calling Daniel. Daniel shows up, and, and Daniel gives me the interpretation of the dream, just like I knew he would. He always gives credit to his God, the same God, the God who gave him wisdom and favor in chapter 1, the God who told him the dream in chapter 2, the God who protected his three, three uh, brothers, his Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three friends in the fire in chapter 3. And so uh, I asked him, what it was about. And he told me and said that I was that tree, that I was the one that was going, sure, I was great right now, but I was going to be cut down, uh, that, that I was going to be put out to pasture for seven years, that I was going to become just like an animal, and be treated like an animal for seven years. And Daniel explained the dream, and, and, and I, I listened to it. And then, then it, 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 it sounds hard for me to really, really help you to understand, but, but even Daniel was hesitant to tell me what it mean. And I said, Daniel, it's okay. It, it, it really is okay. It, I just... I, I just I sense that, you know, whatever you, whatever you tell me that's going to be the dream, it's, it's fine. And Daniel began by saying, I wish I was talking about your enemies, Nebuchadnezzar, and not you. But you are that tree, that your kingdom is great and strong, and it's provided all the food and shelter and resources for all of those extending all of those in your kingdom, extending from the, as far as the east is to the west. But then uh, the, what the messenger said was true, that this would be, the tree would be cut down, you would be driven from your throne, and that you would live like an animal for seven years. 
that I would lose my mind and act like an animal. This was tough stuff from Daniel's God. If he was trying to get my attention, he sure got it. Daniel's advice for me, we find in verse 27, we're going to put it up on the screen, renounce your sins, Nebuchadnezzar, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Ask God to forgive me my sin and start doing what is right and and especially as it concerns the poor around you, maybe God would change his mind, Daniel offered, but I took it under advisement. I don't know. I don't know. But after thinking about it for a while, I I decided to make a few changes. I mean, you sort of want to hedge your bets. You know, when, when you get a message like this, I, I lowered the tax rate. Always good when taxes go down. People feel better about their leader. And I encourage the judges to go easy on taking the bribe money that they were used to taking from the rich people. Just, just dial it back a little bit. And then, and then I said to my leaders, make sure you take care of the poor people. You know, give them an extra handout of food once in a while. But my heart really wasn't there. I, I was just trying to somehow, you know, appease Daniel's God. But then, then my, my judges and my leaders started complaining to me, this is too hard to administrate. How do we know when enough is enough? And, and, and I just sort of let things go back to normal. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Weeks went by. Months went by. And I said, either Daniel's God forgot what he said. Could be. God's, you know, God's could be. Maybe he's busy doing other things, taking care of other issues. You know, maybe, maybe he somehow liked the things that I did and he's going to sort of let me slide. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's when things go on just as they've been for time and time and time, we begin to get comfortable in the relationship that we have with God. And I'm sure you know people that, that sort of think that way. You know, God hasn't done anything yet. You know, God seems to be taking his time and, and maybe he's not the kind of God that keeps all his promises. Maybe his promise to, to send those that don't have their sins forgiven while they're alive to send them to hell for the, all of eternity. That, you know, that a loving God wouldn't do that. Or maybe, maybe, you know, the way things go, yeah, I'm not perfect and God knows that I'm not perfect and, and yeah, maybe he, he knows I'm even going to confess my sin a little later on and so he wouldn't discipline me for sinning, would he? Let me tell you, yes, he would. 
Because the story continues from there. One year later, one year later, I was out on the, the upper porch of my palace right there, and I was looking out over the, the landscape of the city of Babylon, and I saw some of the wonderful things that I had built. You know, one of the things I built, it's on your list of the seven greatest um, um, what do I call it? The seven greatest um, things. Um, that's a good thing to, to call it. Seven wonders. See, you knew the word I was looking for, and it wasn't there. The seven greatest wonders of the ancient world, the, the gardens I built for my wife. And I could see the, 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 um, the wall, that was a hard word, that the wall that I built around my city, and I said to myself, this is pretty good. I've done a good job. Look what my hands have done. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I immediately heard another voice. This one came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, your time is up. What I predicted will happen now, you will lose your throne, you will lose your mind, you will live with the wild animals for seven years. And it happened just that way. I know some of you are saying, really? That? But it's true. I was unwilling to be cared for like a human being. And so they let me stay out there with the animals. I literally ate the food that the animals ate. I literally, you know, the, 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 the fingernails on my hands grew stronger. I began to look more like an animal than like a human being. And amazingly, the leadership that was around me allowed me to do that while keeping the country in order. Don't ask me how. That must be something that the God Most High allowed for seven years. Until one day, I looked up. I don't know if I'd ever looked up like that before. At least for seven years I hadn't, but maybe even ever in my lifetime, I looked up. And God Most High restored my mind. He restored my sanity. He'd taken it away at the snap of a finger. And when I finally turned my heart to him, he returned my mind to me. Not only that, he returned my mind, but believe it or not, he restored me to my throne as well. But I was a changed man. God had to go to amazing lengths to deal with my pride. Insanity for seven years. Like an animal for seven years. And you know what? I am glad he did. You see, if God hadn't chosen to humiliate me, to humble me, I would be one of those sitting in hell for the last 2,500 years rather than in the presence of the living God. Because I was a proud man. Pride keeps us from coming to know God Most High and it keeps us from growing to trust God Most High. Hopefully this morning, 
After the service, when you go to lunch or when you talk to friends and neighbors, maybe family later on in the day or tomorrow, you don't tell them that a king was in your church. Because it's not, that's not why I'm here this morning. You tell them that a king who's God most high does amazing things and is large and in charge of all of his creation all the time was here to speak to you. He's the one I want you to talk about tomorrow with your family and friends. And so what have you learned about him today? Here are three things. Number one, the God most high, the most high God is absolutely in control of everything that happens in this world. Let me repeat that again. The God, the most high God is absolutely in control of everything that happens in this world. If you don't believe me, you tell me how sending my troops to Jerusalem to take over that city, they end up bringing back to Babylon Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How does that happen? But if I hadn't have brought those exact four men back, I may not know who God most high, uh, who the most high God is. I never would have heard about the truth about God most high. I did hear that truth through these young men, and it changed my life. Number two, our pride keeps us from God. If he hadn't slammed me to the ground, I wouldn't have looked up to him because I was proud of all that I'd done. Satan wants us to believe that somehow, some way, we can live without God. Let me tell you, without a doubt, we can't. That's where our pride stands in the way. It keeps us from looking up. It keeps us from seeing our need, and it keeps us from seeing God's grace. God resists the proud, but pours out his grace on the humble. Is my picture not enough? Look at the cross and be reminded that Jesus humbled himself and and took on human flesh to become our Savior. His sacrifice on our behalf provided forgiveness of all of my sins and all of your sins if you have a personal relationship with him. If you, by grace through faith, have put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Christ did that for us. And because he did, God lifted him up to a high place, an exalted place, and exalted him to the highest place. God is just. So don't let your pride keep you from God. Receive the gift of salvation and put your faith in Jesus because God is just. And then finally, God keeps his promises. He always has and always will. So some of you might be worried about some of the difficult things that you're facing. You know, God just doesn't seem to be, to be showing up in, in the timing that I need him to show up and, and keeping his promises the way that, that I really need him to keep his promises. Remember, my insanity lasted seven 
years. And that's what God needed in order to break through my pride. God keeps his promises, every one of them, from, for blessing and for judgment. I'm sure some of you, just like me, might begin to doubt when God sometimes, or maybe even often, it seems, takes his time in fulfilling his promises. I, I, I get it. And so recognizing that that might be a problem for you, I asked Pastor Don about how I should respond, wanting you to, to affirm that God keeps his promises. And he said, they all have Bibles. Tell them to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and read about men and women, human beings just like yourself who had to trust God to do something above and beyond they were able to do, who by faith trusted God through difficult circumstances. Read that chapter once and twice and again and allow the, the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. God is willing to give you the same faith as you put your trust in him even through the difficult things. He is in control and he is right. What a picture we have of the Most High God. And so I want to conclude my little presentation this morning by allowing us together, me, Nebuchadnezzar, you crowd here at the Village Church to read the words in unison that the Holy Spirit gave to me about my God and hopefully your God most high. And so up on the screen, let's read together in unity these verses at the end of Daniel chapter 4. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Pastor Don asked me to pray for you. Can I do that, please? Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. Your wisdom is beyond our understanding. Your faithfulness is so great to us. We thank you, Father, for seeking us, for, for allowing us to respond to your call, for your great patience, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see them, I believe, one day in eternity. I pray, Lord, that they might grow in their faith that there wouldn't be anything that would move them from the faith that they have in you. And that you would give them strength.
that you would give them courage, that you would give them a fresh vision of the most high God every day of their lives. Because with that vision, they too will do great things for you. In the name of Jesus the Messiah, we pray. Amen.